Now today, we're going to open our Bible to Luke 13. Luke 13. I've entitled the message, Is God Saying Something to Us? At first, I wrote my title as, Is God Saying Something to Me? And that made it too personal, so I've changed the title. Is God Saying Something to Us? There seems to be a major emphasis on most everyone wanting to blame somebody else for the mess we're in. It seems as if you get in any conversation having to do with what's going on in our world today, most of us have somebody to blame. Rarely do we make our favorite song, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, that's standing in the need of prayer. If God could just get these other folks straight, my, we would have a wonderful world. Well, that's not something we created. All through the history of the New Testament, there were those in the followers of Jesus that would always find some other group and blame them with the problems that they were facing. Let me just introduce one such passage of scripture. In Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, we read these words. There were present at that season some that told him, that's Jesus, of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with sacrifices. And Jesus answered, said unto them, now listen to what he told them. They were blaming the Galileans for the mess. Here's what he said. Suppose you that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now hold on to verse 4. Are those 18 of whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them? Think you, Jesus says, that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You know, it's time, folks, for us to quit pointing the finger. It's time for us to get together and quit talking about all the things we have discerned about what's going on in every other person's life and other, every uh, other entity and just be still and know that he is God and seek the Lord and say Lord speak to me Lord what would you have me to do God how much am I a part of the problem do I spread the problem do I spread the gospel or do I spread the problem am I one of those father that you were talking about if I were to come up to you and start blaming this or this or this or this for the problems that we face would you address me the same way and say, Hey, John, there's some things in your life that need to be changed. There's some things that you need to start thinking about, that you are not being living proof of a loving God to a watching world like you should be. Someone said a long time ago, Choose carefully the hill on which you're willing to die. We have to be careful that we don't live our life like everyone else. That we don't get caught up into culture when the culture is wrong. That we throw out the Bible 
And remember that the Bible speaks personally to every one of us. Do you remember Joshua chapter 24, verse 15? When I started, most of you will remember. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. And then he said, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, that'll work today, folks. When we decide that we're going to be totally committed to Jesus Christ, that we are going to pray, we're going to serve, we're going to give, we're going to follow, we're going to read his word, we're going to trust the Holy Spirit to guide us to all truth. But we're going to stop this finger-pointing and everybody else is wrong. When Joshua said, as for me and my house, that's a pretty strong statement. There's not a lot of parents that can say that today. There's not a lot of moms and dads, husbands and wives rearing their children and can say, this household is going to be a house of faith. This house is going to be God's house. Not your room, my room, their room, our room, but it's his house. And we are going to serve the Lord. All over the world, folks, people are going through the same thing we're going through in America. What in the world is going on in our world? We're not the only ones asking that. And we're not the only ones trying to answer that. But I think if you'll follow me this morning, we're going to find out that it's going to continue to go on like it's going on unless we do something about it. And you say, yeah, I'm going to go, wait a minute, wait, wait, let me get through. That we do something about it with ourselves. That we take analysis and decide how much time do we pray every week? How much time do we share the Lord every week? How many times did you share the Lord last week? How many times did you weep over lost people last week rather than get angry because you didn't like the way people were doing things? You see, the Scripture never does put it off on anything other than the people of God. The only reason we didn't go to heaven when we got saved is there's work to do. We've got to stay here on planet Earth. We can't go to the sweet by and by. We've got to live in the nasty now and now. And while we're here, we've got to learn how to handle things. And you know what you start with? You. The next person you need to witness to is get in front of a mirror when you get home. And I've already tried this, so I know it's not easy. And just speak a word into who you're looking at. And you'll be surprised what you can criticize them for when you're looking at yourself. Because we all know that we're still not like Jesus. But we also know that he that's in us is greater than he that is in the world. Now, we always talk about how we've got to find our enemy and destroy it, whatever that enemy is. But the Lord says, no, first thing you do, you've got to identify the enemy. You don't just run out and say, I'm going to take out the enemy. We don't know who the enemy is in many cases. The enemy is God's people that are called by God's name have not humbled themselves they don't pray, and they haven't turned from their wicked ways. Now, that's the enemy. I cannot blame others for my sin because he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. 
You cannot blame others for the mess you're in because if you're a born-again believer, no weapon that's formed against you can prosper because that's the inheritance of the children of God. So when we come to that point in our life that we say, you know, I'm going to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, things begin to happen. What we need to do is pray for our leaders and quit criticizing them. What we need to do is quit criticizing each other and start praying for one another. None of us are what God wants us to be. But all of us have access to God personally. One of the great things about our church and, and many Christians around the world is we know that we can go directly to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And we can take our burdens to the Lord and lead them there. We don't need to wait to the next service, wait to the next election, wait to the next event. We need today, today, to be still and know that he is God. And that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask. Now listen to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Who rules the darkness of this world? Satan does. He loves the darkness. If you love darkness, you need to get into the Word. Maybe we need to talk and pray together. We need to walk in the light. Jesus is the light of the world. And we can easily point our fingers at, at others. And we can easily tell others what's wrong with them. But it is sure hard to just let go and let God have his way. By the way, my brothers and sisters in Christ, criticism is not a spiritual gift. <laughs> Are you ready? May I say it one more time? Criticism is not a spiritual gift. When you feel like criticizing somebody, you need to go to the Lord in your prayer place and say, Lord, let's talk this over and you tell me what I ought to do. And you know what he's going to tell you? Shut your mouth, be still, and know that I'm God. Just know that I'll take care of the situation. And you're in a matter that you can't handle. Only I can handle that. Obviously, their wife couldn't handle it, their, their husband couldn't handle it, their best friend couldn't handle it, their church couldn't handle it, their mother couldn't handle it, the daddy couldn't handle it, their best friend couldn't handle it. I can handle it. So would you just let go and let me take over? God's Word is real clear about what I'm fixing to tell you. There are two entities, God and Satan. That's the warfare. Now, there's followers of God and there's followers of Satan. And we get in warfares at times. But that's where the battle is. The battle is a spiritual battle between the powers of light and the power of darkness. Truth and lies. And when those good versus evil, righteousness versus unrighteousness, when they are separated, then you decide, which side am I on? And whichever side I am on, I am going to obey the instructions I get from the instruction book, the Bible, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to handle my problem God's way. I'm going to learn to love others like Jesus loved them. They could even ask forgiveness for those that were crucifying him. 
That's what I want. I want that to be a description of my life. Now, Matthew 6, verse 24 says, No person, no man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. To put that maybe in a little bit different perspective, you cannot follow and obey God and follow and obey man exclusively. You have to choose which one are you going to obey. Where are you going to get your first truth from? There's only one place. He's the only truth. So you find out, here's the way God would have handled this. Now we go and deal with this over here. But we don't go deal with this and then come back and ask God to forgive us for the way we dealt with it because we got mixed up and we misunderstood. All of us that have been saved, we've acknowledged we're a sinner. We confess that to God. We ask God's forgiveness. And we invited Jesus Christ to come into our life. And that his shed blood would be the payment for our sin because that's what the Father said. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And he wasn't talking about war on the battlefield. He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of the blood of Jesus, we'd all be dying in our sins. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we can be saved. The Bible says we believe with our heart, but we confess with our mouth. And when that time comes in our life, things begin to happen. And they are beautiful, beautiful things. But here's where we start bogging down. <clears throat> God is holy. You remember that old song? Holy Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty. How many times, if you were growing up and have lived half a century or more, did you find tears running out of your eyes when you just paused to think of the holiness of God? And those quiet scriptures and those quiet thoughts, be still and know that I'm God. Know that I'm in control. I hold the whole world in my hand. You say, well, I confess my sins all the time. Do you know something? Confession without lordship is not confession. You don't just go and confess it. You, you confess it and say, Lord, I have sinned. But Lord, I give my life to you. You take over my life. You cannot move about in this world apart from the lordship of Jesus Christ. God is holy. And God has always promised that he would take action against unholiness. God is the one that deals with those that are living in darkness. He is the one that calls us to repentance. If we were to start giving our testimonies today and you would begin, and people knowing you as they know you right now, 
and you took them back to day one and you gave your life story, there would be many times when you wish go off screen if they made a video of your life. Don't show them that part. Don't show them this part. Don't let them hear me say that. But you know what? One day, God's holiness came into our life. And we confessed our sin. We repented of our sin. And Jesus came to live through the person of the Holy Spirit. And he washed it white as snow. And yet we cannot get out of our culture. We cannot get out of the, the great competition that is there. We want to win, win, win. We want to be entertained. We want to be thrilled. We want to go about as though we are just going to live this life. And we're going to get, as they used to say, all the gusto I can. And then one day we die and face truth. And that will not be a good day. The Lordship of Christ and confession of sin are both essential. But you have to have both. Don't just go around confessing your sin. The Bible says repent of it. Don't go around telling everybody what a great sinner you are. Don't tell us how much money you bet and all the movies you went to that you shouldn't have gone to and all the things that you participate in that you shouldn't have. Don't tell us about that. That's not what life is all about. What we have to do is simply take our sin to the Lord, ask for forgiveness, and then take up our cross and follow him. You confess yourself as a sinner. You accept the Lord. We're the sinner. He's the Lord. The sinner cannot be saved without the blood of Jesus. And we have to come to him and humility, humbleness, and repentance. We can be helped by going back and reading all of the stories in the Scripture. That is a tremendous help. But you have to bring what happened then to the right now. And that's what I'm trying to do this morning. The people then blamed other people for their problems. We do the same thing. We've got to take it to the Lord. Our prayer meeting attendance has to grow. Our hours that we spend on our knees before a holy God has got to increase. We're not going to figure this out up here or even our, our might and our power and our courage. It's on our knees that we'll find victory. And this nation will be at peace when the people are at peace. And right now, they're in the minority, the people I'm talking about. He does not recognize geographical borders, racial borders, financial borders. He didn't recognize any of that. We're a people created by God in his image. And we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Let me give you some things real quick. I hope you remember. Number one, I want you to know, take a deep breath, God's got everything under control. Well, but I haven't written my letter yet. Just cool it. Save your 50 cents or whatever. God is in control. His will is going to be done. It just depends on which side you're on and I'm on. 
we can either follow him or we can follow Satan. You say, well, I don't want to follow Satan, but I don't want to follow him either. If you don't follow him, you're following Satan because that's the way you are born. You came into this world to do wrong. And if you don't believe you have, ask the people that watch you grow up. And they will tell you more events than you would ever want to hear, of which most of them you have forgotten. But there's good news. Romans 8.28 says, For we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. In other words, is what that means. And if you're not following him now, say today, I'm going to start following the Lord. And you know what? Your autobiography is going to get better. And you're going to find that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And you're going to find that he has not disowned you. You have been adopted into his family. You can't get rid of adopted children in America. And you sure can't get rid of them in heaven. You're one of them. And it doesn't matter. God doesn't wait and add up your score at the end of every day and say, okay, you got one good day. I'll put it over here in this column. That's just not the way he works. But what he does say is, let me be Lord. I am in control. Now, if you think he can't handle it, he said in, in Matthew 28, 18, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. I like that. That doesn't sound like any, anybody was trying to stop this weapon or that weapon because God says no weapon is formed against me is going to prosper because this is inheritance of the kids of God, the children of God. We are able to keep on keeping on. The Bible says a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without his notice. You don't walk around today without him. God knows you're at church today. God knows you're watching today. God knows you're listening today. God knows exactly where we are, who we are, what we're doing, and what we're thinking about doing. God knows those of you that are enjoying worship him, and God knows those of you that are thinking, I wish he'd get through so I could get down to the beach before the crowd. <laughs> but that's okay. He still loves you. But you missed the blue water at Galveston. Okay, I think it's already come and gone. All right, so stick around a few more minutes. But God looks at us and says, okay, y'all. I know what I'm going to do. I'm talking about the Lord. The Lord, you know what he says to me? He says, John, I know what I'm going to do. I appreciate your suggestions, but I know what I'm going to do. Now, John, here's your question. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to pray about it. Pray about what? Well, I know God told me to do it, so I'm going to pray about it. Now, help me with that one. God, King of kings, Lord of lords, told you, confess your sin, repent of your sin, turn from your wicked ways, acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior, and you're going to pray about it? Well, I just want to make sure he gets it right. He got it right. He got it right. You got to get it right. You've got to get your priorities right. I'm speaking to hundreds of you that need to be baptized scripturally, not for salvation, but so that you'll go public with the fact that people that don't even know you're a Christian, you'll make that one step. It's the first step to put on the uniform that I'm on God's team. I'm in God's family, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I'm going to be baptized with scriptural baptism. We're buried in, with Christ in baptism unto death, and we're raised to walk in newness of life. That's the only baptism. That's what the word means, 
Baptizo means to immerse. It doesn't mean to be sprinkled or, or thrown water at you or whatever. That's a church thing. I'm not trying to criticize. I'm telling you it's not baptism. But the Bible says repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sin. God has everything under control. We need to get it under control. We need to get our priorities right. We need to run our own life. Don't be a follower. Be a leader. But here's the deal. We have got to get our act together, those of us that say we're the church and we're the family of God. God has everything under control. And you know what? God warns that all ungodliness is going to be judged and it's going to be punished. You hear me? God warns us that all ungodliness will be judged and punished. Romans 1:18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. There are many, many people that believe that sin is okay and has no punishment coming. That's just some kind of myth. The king of the universe, the Lord of lords and king of kings says not so. The wrath of God will one day be brought down on ungodliness. We will win. Titus 2.12 Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You say, well, I'm going to be righteous when I get to heaven. You may not get to heaven. This is where you live that life. There won't even be a temptation in heaven. Can you imagine that? I cannot imagine living one hour without being tempted to do something I know is not pleasing to the Lord. But when we all get to heaven, how's it go? What a day of rejoicing that will be. There's a lot of reason to rejoice. One is we're going to see Jesus. Number two, we're not going to be tempted anymore. We don't have to wonder about are we or are we not. We're just going to be in the presence of the Lord. Philippians 3.21 Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. That scripture teaches me that God is going to give us the power to live that life that we fight to live today. No temptation. And every day with Jesus will be sweeter than the day before. I want to quickly say to you, and this will be very brief, but it's very important. The shedding of innocent blood is always a serious matter to a holy God. And living in a world of abortion of 1.5 million, it's the last figure that I have, babies aborted last year. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, get in the word of God. That's a terrible sin. But God can forgive it, but it needs to be confessed as sin and not justified. Our little ones are a holy creation of God. There are no two alike. They're one of a kind. And when that one's gone, there's nobody to replace. And you cannot replace with another. We're all unique. And for us 
in our world and even in our country to make such a mockery and turn it into a political thing is an abomination to God. God said, I'm not waiting for anybody to vote. I've already told you, take care of my little ones. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What would have happened if Mary would have got an abortion? What would have happened? God had one purpose to send his son. That's to save us. God has a purpose for every child. They matter to God. God's son, who knew no sin, was nailed to a cross, and he became a ransom for many. His only son is our Savior, is our Savior. And he lives, he lives. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within the heart of his children. Exodus 23, way back in the Old Testament, verse 7. Do not kill the innocent or the righteous, for I will not acquit the guilty. All of us, all of us, all of us need to think seriously about that. Never should we turn our back on the tragedies of this world, and they're all caused by sin. I wish we could have stopped the plane on September the 11th, 2001. I wish we could call the babies to come back, 60-some-odd million. Why did those things happen? Why, why, why? Were both of these groups killed because of sin and the attacks of Satan on America? I don't know the answer to all of that. But I do know this. That the enemy is out to destroy, devour everything good. The church, the family, the individual. The city, the community, the school, the culture, the nation and the uttermost part of the world. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. What will happen next? How much longer can we live if our children are not taught once again to obey their parents? How are we going to deal with the fact that 70% of our high school graduates this year will never go to church again, according to the record? 70% will never return to church after they leave the home. How do you deal with a thing like that? How do you get together and say, now, Lord, we're your church. We're your bride. We're the family. And, Lord, how do we handle this. The World Trade Center, the Pentagon, all of those things in the past, the plane over Pennsylvania, the church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, and the school in Santa Fe. God, what would you have us to do? And I think the scripture clearly says, be who I put you here to do. 
live, be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Acknowledge your sin, repent of your sin, quit blaming anything other than Satan. He is the enemy. He is a devourer. He is a destroyer. But we're to raise up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Satan may be attacking your teenager to disobey their parents, to live their life like they want to, and to go on and date a young man whose life is being controlled by Satan. But I don't think that's God's way. I think God has picked out our mates. I think God has a plan. The minds of our men and pornography. Coming into our homes, billions and billions and billions of dollars. And we're told that even our eighth graders are exposed to it today in their lifestyle. Our marriages are being destroyed. The music the movies, the books, the magazines, the filthy talk, the games, and you can just on and on. But you know who the enemy is? Satan. The only way we can win is not one pick on those, destroy him. How do you destroy him? America needs to be born again. I mean spiritually born again. When God comes into the hearts of Americans and transforms their life, it'll be a new day in America. And we'll see a home be what a home ought to be, and a marriage what a marriage ought to be, and a man be a man, a woman be a woman. You can go on and on in that. But listen, it's not relying on any other thing other than let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and let the lost know they are forgiven. They can come home. They can have a fresh start. They have seen what it's done to their marriage. They've seen what it's done to their children. They've seen what it's done to their nation. They've seen what it's done to the world. But if we can come to Jesus, we can change things. Because he will fight the fight. What did they do in the Bible? They mocked the prophets. They too left the church. And they too paid the price. Why would we want to follow those steps? Why, oh why, oh why? I don't know how. That we have seen the things happen in our churches, in our schools, in our communities, in our nation, in our families. I don't know all the answers. You say, well, pastor, what's going to happen? That depends. Biblically, that depends. I want to read you a real short scripture, 1 Peter 4, 17. 1 Peter 4, 17. Judgment must begin at the house of God. Welcome to church. Are we the church God wants us to be? Do we put God first or do we put people first? If we put God first, we'll take care of the poor. We'll try to put people back together again. We will try to help them to get back on their feet. There will be no racial conflicts. There will be no nothing other than Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the church will be what he wants it to be and not what society wants it to be. Listen to Paul speak to young Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.1 This know also that in the last days perilous time shall come. What's happening now 
is the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Scripture. This is the last call. The man who comes speak to you will tell you that this is the last generation, probably. If we don't repent, we're going to perish. It's all there. We have forsaken the fountain of living water and hewned ourselves out cisterns that'll hold no water. And God says, but I still love you. I still love you. I'm not filing action against you to disown you. I want you to come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And I'm telling you something. If you are in rebellion against God, you are weary and heavy laden. You are burdened down with stuff. You've got things that you don't even know about that are results of sin. But the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. So what's America to do? This is my final question. What do we do? I've already told you several things about abortion, our children. I don't know what we can do to, to get our, get the Bible back in the classroom. We've got the board right here of education. Got our United States congressman sitting over here and the preacher standing up here and all of us here. You know what, what God sees us? He don't see us about anything other than, are you my kids? If you do, I know you got a problem. Kids, you got a problem? Take it to the Lord. But let's not criticize the schools for not reading the Bible at school if we don't read it at home. You got it? Let's don't criticize our politicians, our leaders, the preacher. Let's say it's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. And then, then we'll receive from heaven and he'll heal our land. Yes, the Ten Commandments are gone off the walls of our courtrooms. We've accepted sin and called it an alternate lifestyle. We've let our churches die and become empty on the Sabbath. And 900 Southern Baptist churches in America closed their door last year. 900. And we're going to blame Washington, Austin, Houston, school board, religion apart from relationship with Jesus and God says look look immorality is running rampant I thank God I thank God when I see people of all races all backgrounds male and female that'll put their life on the line for Jesus Christ but every single one of us ought to praise God for the people that said I'm willing to lead that's our answer that's what we're seeking let's please God rather than man